Clem Sunter, who is South Africa's scenario planning doyen. We've spoken many times over the years. South Africans know and love you, Clem, and they, they like looking to you to tell us what's in store for the year ahead. And you've written a, an excellent piece on Biz News with the different flags explaining what we should be looking out for. Before we go into the individual parts, just explain to us, uh, for those who haven't read all of your books, what, why you use these flags to guide us in understanding what might be ahead. The, the real point is there is such uncertainty in the future that it really is, in many ways, impossible to forecast. And so... The next best thing you can do is to analyze the forces driving the present into the future and then play scenarios around where those forces lead. And then you've got to identify the flags to watch in order to give those scenarios a kind of intuitive probability because you can't just be like the Delphic Oracle and say the future can do this, the future can do that. You have to have a way where you can discern whether a particular scenario is becoming a favourite or whether it is going to go on the back burner. So, for example, this week, um, when we talk about the red flag, the the talks between America and Russia, which are going on uh, in Europe uh, as we speak, um, each bulletin on those talks is, is, is a, a minor flag which will tell you whether there's going to continue to be confrontation which could lead ultimately to sanctions and possibly war or whether in fact they are working out a successful diplomatic solution to the problem of the Ukraine. It's uh, really interesting looking at it that way. So in other words, it's almost like an agenda for the year and you've told us what's on the agenda, what are the most prioritised, uh, the things we need to watch. Yeah, because... Um, As we say uh, in the book, Thinking the Future, one of the terrible things is when you have too many flags crowding out uh, each other. And so you don't recognize it when it goes up. And we quote the example of Pearl Harbor when um, the Americans were concentrating on all the flags going up in Europe. So they missed uh, the flag going up around Japan entering the war. And so you, you, you have to uh, try and be selective with the flags that are really going to count in changing uh, the future. And that's what I've tried to do in this article uh, with the five flags. But obviously, as I say at the end of the article, other people will have different opinions and say this is a more important flag uh, than the one you've quoted. And I'm fine with that. But starting off with the the red flag, the Russia-America, China's in there as well, presumably, and North Korea. Reading your story, World War Three is not just the realm of science fiction. It's, it is something that uh, you tell us we need to be at least aware of. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Alec, it's only been 100 years um, since we've had uh, two world wars. Um, uh, the First World War, 14 to 18, and then the Second World War, which started in 39. I mean, that's not so long ago. It's not like looking back into the Stone Ages or anything like that. And, and you know, particularly uh, the First World War came out of the blue with the assassination of an archduke. Uh, the Second World War, um, as again, we 
talk about in the book, Winston Churchill foresaw uh, the chances building up in the in 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 the nineteen thirties. So, to to put a, a a kind of third world war uh, scenario on the table is is not being totally you know impossible. Uh, it's 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 actually saying we've 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 had to. And there, there are certain issues now which could, through sort of accidental uh, a, a confrontation and emotion, uh, could emerge. And you put it on the table, obviously, so that it doesn't happen. <laughs> that's that's the, the point of scenarios. In fact, a book was written in uh, the early 60s, uh, in fact, 1960, called On Thermonuclear War by Herman Kahn, who was the father of scenario planning. And that book played quite a role in America's thinking during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, because the book clearly showed the incredible destruction that could be caused by a nuclear war. And so in the end, uh, the scenario was avoided through diplomacy. And one hopes again that uh, in the case of the Ukraine, uh, that scenario can be avoided by diplomacy. But then, as I said, towards the end of the flag, there are other small <laughs> flags like North Korea that have to be continually watched because they do now possess nukes, which can do an incredible amount of damage um, in, in the region. And, of course, they're still testing ballistic missiles, having given up for a time because of the kind of agreement uh, reached between Trump and uh, Kim Jong-un. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if this is a fair question to you, but if there were to be uh, this apocalyptic uh, development and we were to enter a third world war, what is South Africa's position likely to be, if any? Yeah, it's it's a very tricky one, that, because... Uh, we're certainly more in the middle than we were previously because we belong to BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, and China. That is, and, and the S is us. Uh, so, you know, we're in the BRICS club uh, with Russia and China um, on the one hand. But of course, you know, we still consider Europe and America and the UK uh, strong allies on the other so it is a totally pertinent question, which is why you play the scenario in advance so you don't start making ill-considered decisions in the heat of the moment about which side you're going to join. But it absolutely is the right question to ask. And, of course, a lot of people will heave a sigh of relief that we're at the the, the bottommost tip of, of Africa if you know, really nasty uh, things happen uh, in Europe or between Russia and America in the north. So that's a big one. And I guess that why it's relevant for us is that more and more South Africans are now investing globally and are dependent, uh, their future is dependent on those investments. Well, can I just finish? One point I didn't make but which has to be borne in mind is that there is a third scenario, which is sanctions. That, that if Russia invades Ukraine, the, the, the West will slap incredible sanctions on Russia, including um, 
you know, financial sanctions and trade sanctions. This could have an enormous impact on Europe, uh, where around about 30 or 40 percent of their energy comes out of Russia. Um, it could it could certainly jeopardize certain projects uh, like the new pipeline uh, into into Germany. And so, you know, one of the other reasons for watching these talks is an intermediate scenario, not a nuclear conflict, but not a diplomatic solution, but one where sanctions are applied, which will obviously impact the global hmm. economy. The green flag? Yeah, well, the green flag, I've, I've said, is in, in existential terms the most important flag uh, because we, we have 8 billion uh, uh, people uh, in, in the world today. The, the UN um, currently is forecasting that it will be just over 10 billion by the end of this century. Uh, they are saying that uh, population growth uh, will have fallen to zero by then uh, because people are having less babies. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's, uh, but it's created this problem right now where we are not only changing our atmosphere, and we all know how thin that atmosphere is with the recent flights uh, into, into space, uh, which have been uh, taken by ordinary individuals, um, showing just, you know, you go from this blueness of Earth into space in, the, in, in a minute. And, 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 you know, we are actually uh, changing that little thin layer of atmosphere in a way that's uh, very negative for the future of the planet. But equally, we're displacing um, an enormous number of wild animals and plants and other things on Earth, and there's been, for example, a huge fall in numbers of rhinos and elephants and, and, and other uh, and other species, um, and so it is an incredible issue because it's never occurred in any previous century, and it goes right against our natural DNA of uh, of doing everything to improve material prosperity and economic growth. I mean, even the Chinese have ditched their one-child policy because they saw uh, the, the problems of developing into a middle-aged nation with uh, fewer and fewer young people coming through. And so they've ditched it. And so it is a really tough flag, uh, the green flag, to concentrate on uh, because we've got to do things which, you know, we're just unaccustomed to doing. And yes, Hopefully, technology, like with the pandemic, uh, in the form of vaccines, but technology in the form of renewable energy will come to the fore. But as I said in the book, we haven't even started in terms of the detailed analysis of each uh, chain in the link of all the new devices uh, that we're going to use, like electric cars, which use lithium batteries. Has anybody really looked at where we're going to get all the lithium from and what that's going to do to the environment and the places where the lithium is? And equally, if you, you read quite a few uh, scientific articles, they will say recycling lithium is very different to recycling glass or plastic or anything else. In fact, it's very dangerous. So I don't think we've even begun to, 
to 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 really understand uh, what we're going to have to do to a protect our atmosphere and b protect the diversity of living things on this. So earth. lots of flags to look out for there. Uh, you did mention the pandemic. I ran a piece this morning uh, from. Uh, Nobel Prize winner, Dr. Luke, he said that uh, with Omicron or Omicron, uh, the whole idea of having mandatory vaccines is now obsolete because Omicron is yet another development. So at least on that front, it it looks positive. But as you say, we don't really know. Yeah, look, one has to say statistically, because in terms of uh, uh, applying scenarios, uh, probabilities to scenarios, you look backwards to judge the statistics on an issue like, are we going to have a more lethal variant coming along? And and certainly in previous uh, pandemics the world has had, it would appear that the, the virus becomes uh, milder uh, because it wants to continue to exist um, just like every other living thing. And and so, you know, um, it well could be now that we're moving towards a kind of flu uh, scenario. But, you know, we all know that people get flu jabs um, around the world. Maybe uh, we're going to have a, a kind of double jab uh, to protect us against um, some uh, form of coronavirus. Having said all that, Omicron appeared from nowhere. And so you cannot rule out the scenario that um, another variant uh, comes onto the table, which causes a, a small problem. And then even another virus altogether, because, as I said in the article, there's no set period between plagues. But right now, probably the biggest issue, which relates to the next flag of inequity, uh, which I talk about uh, in the article, is that we still live in a highly disruptive world where so many businesses have either disappeared or are in hugely uh, anxious uh, conditions. Uh, Big businesses are in tourism and travel and other things. And so we're going to have to look very carefully now at things like um, how long uh, we isolate people um, if they've caught the virus or come into contact with people uh, who've got the virus, because that is what is really uh, disrupting uh, the economy. The number of people um, away um, and not sort of fulfilling their their particular work. So this is this is the biggest flag of all to 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 watch at the moment is how sensible governments around the world are going to be over the next few months in opening up uh, the global economy and not just you know, uh, continuing with previous measures. And I have to say, in China, they're still 100% behind zero uh, uh, infection. And, you know, they're shutting down whole cities still. And so, yeah, uh, we're kind of moving into what are the scenarios on the economic front and away from the scenarios on the virus uh, itself, except for the possibility of a new variant. It's an extraordinarily complex world that we inhabit, and these flags do help us to make a lot of sense out of it. Uh, the, the second last one, the inequality flag, I've got to share this with you, Clem. We ran a piece uh, today on Biz News about a profit 
from Zimbabwe uh, who had a party in Pretoria on the weekend where they spent 1.4 million rand on mostly very expensive champagne, champagne at 10,000 rand a bottle. Didn't know you could get that stuff, but it exists. And and squirted it around, or literally the, the videos of guys walking along with the champagne bottles upside down, just spewing out this very expensive liquid. That kind of inequality uh, it, it jars. But when you look at it from a more broader perspective, uh, there are these people who, or some people who are incredibly wealthy, uh, and then other people who are really struggling, as you said earlier, due to often nothing to do with their own capabilities, but uh, the way that society is is evolving uh, or developing. It, 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 you and for them, um, it must be very hard not to be resentful and and angry. Yeah, and they are. They're, they're resentful and angry. They have access to the internet, uh, social media. And so there are quite a few movements growing uh, to, to protest against uh, this particular uh, flag. And it was identified back in 2010, 2012, when um, there was a book about how we had reverted to the Edwardian era of the last century, at the beginning of the last century in terms of inequality, uh, because the two world wars had destroyed uh, the wealth of the, of, of the rich. And then in the 70s and 80s, you had kind of uh, universal economic growth, which benefited everybody. But then from the 90s onwards, the return on capital has been higher than salary and wage increases. And this, then we had, of course, the financial crash of two, uh, 2008, but it immediately recovered. But certainly the impact of that crash on wages and salaries has been felt even to this day. And so, yeah, we're now in probably the most unequal situation we've been in uh, for 120 years, which is not a a, a great boast. You can say we've lifted a lot of poverty-stricken people out of extreme poverty, and that's happened in places like China and India and elsewhere. But, but yeah, as you say, with the sort of flaunting of, of, of wealth and champagne and that kind of stuff, it, it increases people's anger, and that then changes the dynamic of um, elections and, and, and everything else. And so, again, we, we were going to have to watch this, not, not only here in South Africa, but in the UK and, and America at the same time, because there is a lot of anger around um, as a result of the unfairness of the pandemic. <laughs> uh, and the final flag, the crowded space flag? Yeah, well, you know, uh, Mitch Ilbury and I put this in the book because, you know, it is getting crowded space, and um, we are we are now risking a collision between two satellites, which could cause um, a major um, catastrophe for the international communication network. And we all know that our living every day is dependent on that network, and if uh, it goes, then banking goes, and you know, supply chains go, all kinds of things would go. So one of the points of choosing a flag is to see whether it can really 
change your life for the better or for the catastrophic worse. And this, this is a particular flag because nobody has changed the laws on space since 1967. Um, and we've got so much more in space than then. And one wonders when the UN or some other agency is going to get around to trying to find a sensible way of governing space to minimize the risk of that kind of collision and disruption to the international uh, communication. And the Chinese are already onto Elon Musk's back about this, uh, aren't they? It's, it's, it's coming up more and more into Absolutely. the, into the uh, public consciousness. Yep. No, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a flag that a lot of people simply don't know exists because they're concentrating so much on what's going on on Earth. But uh, <laughs> it's this, this thing called space. And, yeah, as I, as I s- said towards the end of the article, who owns space? <laughs> it's not just those few rich people who go up in rockets and down again. Um, it's, it's not, not, it should not either be um, a whole bunch of owner-occupiers of little uh, space stations in space and so forth. It's, you've got to find some sensible version of how the world, with all its technical, technical advances, is going to ha- handle the problem of not allowing space to get too crowded. 